0: This is Kevin. And this is Ron. And this episode of Your Valuable Home is brought to you by Provia. Provia, a faith-based company that makes entry doors, storm doors, patio doors, vinyl and wood-clad vinyl windows, vinyl siding, manufactured stone, and metal roofing, all of incomparable quality. what do we got today in terms of a replay? What's going on? I'm
1: just trying to get, make our listeners feel comfortable when they hire a painting contractor. And there's just so many questions out there that are always asking me, why do painters cost so much? Why are painters so cheap? Why? Don't I could ask you the same <laughs> question. Why do
0: painters cost so much?
1: Let's just talk about your house. Now, your house, we're going to paint your family room. Two stories, probably well, about- I can
0: tell you how much I paid for it. This is twenty. Oh, this is going to do as good as 22 years, <laughs> years ago. <laughs> 3700 for it at that time.
1: Your bedroom in the back room, master bedroom, 20 by 12, eight foot high ceilings. What would you think the price would be?
0: I'd say probably 1500
1: to $1,800. Probably. The reason why is people always ask me like, well, why would painters cost so much? And it was just like the job I'm on now. I said, well, think about this. A painter that's been around for a good bit of time, say about 15 years, they're going to be getting paid, say, a normal salary. What would you think a normal salary would be? Uh, let's say $60,000. So let's amorize that per day. What, if the guy works for a company? No, he does the work himself, owning the company. Does, does he the work
0: company. himself, I mean, he owns the company. I'd say it's got to be more than that.
1: Right. So, but if you're looking at that, you're looking at probably about a $350 a day, $400 a day that they've got a gross. And then after taxes and everything else, they're probably making a little bit less than that. Probably about a 40, 45,000 based on 60,000. You're like, well, that's really well, low. Yeah,
0: everybody pays taxes, yeah.
1: So if you start to amorize that, now painting the bedroom, it's not just from paint up. Let's talk about the existing that's there. Do you have nail pops? Do you have stress cracks?
0: Yeah, they gotta prep everything. Absolutely, I understand that. It's probably about $3,700 to do my condo, my rental.
1: That's pretty cheap. Was it prep? Well, that goes back a little bit,
0: about 3,700. And then the cabinets were extra because I hadn't paid the cabinets. I have not paid the cabinets, cabinets, right. So
1: what we're trying to do is, because a lot of people wanna say, hey, how do we break this estimate down? Now, the key is the prep with all the painting. If you don't do the prep right, and it's not included in that estimate, you're not going to get a great estimate. You're going to have a low estimate. It's going to be a great price you're going to love, but you're not going to love the end result. And that's what I'm finding more and more today is people are complaining about Painters today that are too expensive, but they do a great job, or you get the real cheap one, but you got that middle grounds now. The middle grounds are people saying, hey, why are painters so expensive? I want to pay them, but I don't want to overpay, but I want a great job. So I said, well, where's that middle you want to meet at? And that's what we try to come up with is painters today, there's a dime a dozen. It's like contractors. Everybody thinks they're a great contractor, but they're really not because of the product that they're giving the homeowners. Now, I as a contractor see a lot of it that's going on, and it's definitely below par but there are, say, painters, there, there are some pretty damn good painters out there. But you've got to hire the guys. But again, the, the better painters are going to carry workman's comp to make sure that they're covered. Think about this. If you call your insurance yeah, I'd company,
0: always look for that. Always look for that. I mean, if you have one bad situation, it could be a really horrible situation Right, workers' comp.
1: Now think about this. And I always tell people, listen, the, the best thing to do is you have that two-story foyer that you're talking about in your family room. You have right. a painter going up a 12-foot stepladder and he's prepping the ceiling
0: without workers comp forget that Uh
1: it's either workers comp or a parachute so either way it's going to cost you in the long run workman's comp's not cheap for our listeners i'm telling you being a business owner it's not cheap it's one of my most expensive things i have is the workman's comp so having a workman's comp they've got to incorporate that into the price that they're giving right, you sure of course so eating that cost is something that they're going to have to do i mean thank god nothing happens to you and you know we never had a claim either but i just want to make sure that we're protected but having a workman's comp also raises the cost up and it's just part of being a business having a right company well do the job. you
0: know i guess today i'm a guy who's really on it, on top of it and wants to make sure he's maximizing his salary probably is charging extra for gas too it's not in the estimate but it's probably the, the estimates are probably higher because of it right
1: absolutely yeah. have you ever heard a time when somebody who says hey listen I, I called the service guy we'll just call him a service guy came out we'll see you for two minutes and charge me 250 dollars have you ever heard that before? Yeah, that really galls me, to tell you the truth. It's, it's not there for two minutes. First of all, he's got to drive out. He's got to get the truck loaded. Then he's going to have to drive out there. That'll cost time and money. And then after the serve's done, then they got to bring that truck back. That's all incorporated that people don't understand. Then we look at the insurance. So it's not just workman's cop, it's general liability. Insurance for cars, that has gone through the roof. Because with my trucks, I, I never had a claim on my vehicles. And I'm like, well, why is it so much money? That's also incorporated into the cost. Now you got guys right there that have a beat up old truck. Cost is going to be minimal, but you still need to look for when you're, you're breaking. you paying
0: for the new, his new transmission in his truck then too, right?
1: <laughs> that could be, but it's bottom line is you got to get the best result for the best. Right. So how do you do that? Like, what would you look for in a painting contract? What, what would be the question well, you Well, I ask?
0: can tell you exactly what I look for. When I hired the guy to do my place in Doylestown, it was a two-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bath condo, not huge. And the way I got him, it was this one painter who'd been doing a lot of work where I live. And I talked to a couple of people, and I figured if he's doing a lot of work there and nobody's complaining about him, he's my guy. Right? That's how I got him. Referral. That's And he did have workers' comp, too.
1: Oh, that's a no brainer there. Yeah. And if you gave you the good price on top of that, how many times you heard, listen, don't go with the cheapest, don't go with the most expensive, go with somebody in the middle. Over the last probably two years, I've been the cheapest pricing of every one of the estimates that I gave. So you're telling me I'm not going to do the job? Who's better than us in the area? Are you going to get a Maximo coming over there or a John Cusack who just uh, doesn't speak too well of English that are, I'm competing against. Well, they're going to charge eight bucks an hour and I'm still cheaper than them? How's that work out? So basically what you have is a general contractor subbing out to those guys. I'm the one doing the work. So how am I supposed to compete with those guys that are not doing the right thing? I'm paying taxes. I have workman's comp. I have general liability. But even still what they're doing. So you doing. haven't
0: built all that stuff in?
1: Uh, I do. My whole thing is when I said when I start to bill customers for the work I do is I want to give such a fair price. Look, I'm not going to make a lot of money. I'm not going to retire in this business anytime soon but I want to give such a fair price and when I build that reputation up of giving the highest quality at a fair price, we're always gonna be busy. And that's Mm -hmm. how we've been staying busy over the past 34 years. Even when the market turned hot with home improvements, we still kept the same price. We started incrementing going up because of inflation, but I kept the same price, people still saw that. So what they did is they said, hey, listen, I'm not gonna get another prices. I I really like the price that you gave me. Now I built that trust and relationship with my customers. So the new customer, the same thing. I said, listen, don't look at my price when you get the estimate, cover the price up. Read first, number one, what am I purchasing? Number two is, what's the method of application I'm giving you? Let's say windows. Window installation is one thing, but what about the rubber, the foams that I'm putting in ahead of time? Technically, you don't need to do it, which I would never do it that way, but the method of application of all the extra work that I'm going to do to make sure that window's done right. And then the third thing is, you and I talked about plenty of times, who is physically doing the work? Doing the work, yeah. I tell people, I show them the hands, I'm like, I'm doing the work.
0: I mean, is that going on in the painting business? Do you have guys going out, you know, saying, hey, we got the best painters in all of whatever county and they just have salesmen out there i don't yes
1: really that works in a painting world too most of the time what you're finding today especially in the contracting world is that you're hiring just a salesman so there's so many applications in place you have your you certainly wouldn't want that salesman
0: to paint your house right
1: Right. But when you want to deal with a guy who understands the business, again, I'm not putting anybody down, but if you're going to come into this business, I just want to make sure that our listeners and homeowners are getting the right price for the right job. Right. And just talking to somebody, just trying to sell something they don't really know much about, because sometimes they could ask questions, homeowners don't get it in writing. Well, are you going to prep this? Are you going to do this? How far is that level of prep that you're going to do? Well, the salesman's going to be yes, 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 so we can get the job and they got to sell the job. Yeah,
0: I would see when I had this guy do my place in Doylestown, I was very specific about that. We actually walked from room to room to room because you know, I mean, you were doing work there too and I took off and I was in Europe while this all was happening. Of course, the guy that was managing my place, he had a little problem with the painter. The painter was like sort of a prima donna, but Mm -hmm. very good. And I had to call and I said, look, you got to get it together here because this guy's going to fire you. But it all worked out. He did a fantastic job on my place. We just rented it again. And the people that were in there, we had a little bit of touch-up to do, but that was the size of it, you know? For
1: a renter, that's great. Yeah. You made out oh, yeah. of on that one. Oh, yeah. The biggest thing that people always talk about is that when they include the paint price, that's where you get a little bit weary. Now, I've been using a paint company where their high-end paint is about $90 a gallon, where the mid-grade and lesser is about $50, $52 a gallon.
0: So if they're going Who to... Who is that? Benjamin Moore? Benjamin Moore. Oh, I mean, yeah, but you can't beat that paint.
1: Right. So I use the ore paint. Mm-hmm. And I tell people, this is the best thing, to do is keep the paint price out because then people are like wow that's really expensive for paint but i said listen if if guys are putting that in you're thinking a premium paint well it could be the regal which is a great product but their aura is much better so if i have 10 gallons of paint to buy that's about a 38 dollar difference in cost so it's a 380 and eighty dollar cost difference just to buy the paint Sure, for those 10 gallons. So that's gonna add the cost. So if you keep that price out. But good
0: paint, you gotta use good paint. If you don't use good paint, it's just like basically throwing your money away. It's not gonna last.
1: Sometimes they got to do three coats because it doesn't cover as well as they exactly. should. Exactly, yeah. So what do you want to do it in two coats? And there is no one coat paint. Nobody has it. They might sell it that way, but the best thing is two coats of thin paint. Don't put it on thick. Just roll a nice, even coat. Your contractor should be rolling a nice, even coat and put another one coat. One coat's
0: for people who don't mind looking at drywall.
1: Or that cloud look, I always call it, yeah, the, exactly. where you see the lines yeah, in there. Exactly. It's always been that way because everybody's going with the dark and bold hues, like Provia Siding. They, they like the darker colors. I've been selling more of the darker colors. So paint's going that way. And you cannot put a dark paint on without putting a couple of coats on so these are things that i always tell them not
0: only that but if you redo it with a light paint you got to keep going and going and going right
1: or right. you have to put a good primer on it and then start over yeah. again a primer is a good sealer coat that does serve a purpose when people think oh, i just put two coats of paint on one well, no there's a reason why primer's there it's to serve a purpose to allow the paint to adhere better because you just don't want to put any type of paint over top of drywall like new drywall because you get a little bit of dust factor from the spackle and that's what the primer is meant to do. It's not meant to put a color on it. It's just meant to seal it so the paint can adhere to it and give you a better finish in the long run. So if you don't do that from the beginning, if the contractor's not offering you that option, you might be wanting to look for a new contractor
0: what's your best advice on how to pick a painting contractor if you don't have all that working for you
1: Well, check the the company out themselves yeah listen don't go by reviews anybody can write a review. right ask to see the workman's comp and general liability number two most important who's doing the work i want to know who's physically coming into my house to be doing the painting number three is what's the level of prep that you're going to do to make it absolutely perfect so think about those guys are going to be their day just prepping you talk about for a reasonably sized house yeah yeah okay uh, for a couple of bedrooms, yep. they're going to waste a day doing. There's not going to be any paint going up if they're going to prep. There's going to be caulking. There's going to be spackle that's going to go on. And spackle just usually happen in one coat. If you have a big nail pop, you put it on. You're, unless you're going to put it on thick and try to sandblast it down, you want to put thin coats on. That's why these guys that are doing new drywall, you see three coats go on because they want to put thin coats on so it looks perfect. So that day is almost wasted just prepping. And then if you look at that and you understand that they're going to give you a great prep job with it.
0: So he's got a day into the job before he starts stroke one of the painting. Correct. Okay.
1: And that's going to add to the cost when you get that. So it's just a few things that I would highly recommend. Do those steps, check into it, and you're going to find the right contract to do the right mm-hmm.
0: job. All right, we just did a really good story on painting and a lot of good advice in that story. And now we've got a bad story about painting, right? The good and the bad.
1: Yeah, this is somebody who um, hired a guy Price, price, price. Everybody talks about price, price, price. So they got, they hired a guy who gave him a great price and he said he can paint all the upstairs in one day.
0: I don't know how you do that.
1: Well, I'm going to post the picture on social media. They actually sent a video, but I said, I don't want the person to be in the video, the contractor in the video. If I'm going to be painting your house, why don't you walk me through it so, and I'm going to go to your bedroom. What's the first thing I would do before I even start painting or prepping or doing any type of work? What would you think I would do?
0: cover everything up, <laughs> okay. which he did not. Ta-da! Build. So they have speckled furniture now.
1: Yeah, I called it the dry fall. Oh, my. Yeah, well, dry fall yeah, paint she's... was years ago in commercial buildings when they used to spray the top of these commercial buildings, and it was such a high ceiling when the paint would drop that it was uh, still That's wet. That's probably at the...
0: what they do with development houses, right, before anything's in there? Just yeah.
1: go in there and... The primer. You can spray it. Yeah. It, dry. it just right. dries as it drops. Right. The reason why he, it stayed that way is because when you roll paint... The paint roller should be applied. You don't want to squeeze it hard or push it against the wall. It just lightly strokes up and down, up and down. Yeah,
0: because you're going to get those ridges in the... That's one of them you're going to get, but you're
1: also going to get a lot of spray. When you have a cheaper paint, it sprays a lot more. And the video I was looking at, I tell you, I've never seen somebody... It looked like it was sped up three times over. The, The speed that this guy was painting the walls, you could see the spray all over, but as she was taking the video of the guy doing it she's panned down under the carpet that she had and it was a lighter color carpet well now it's pretty much white because the overspray. so she threw him off the job the first day uh, because there was paint everywhere it was all over the furniture it was everywhere i said listen if that's starting to dry i don't know how you're gonna get all the paint up it looked like white speckles everywhere oh wow so i don't i I, yeah how did that that's impossible pretty much yeah yeah pretty much i mean you get a few drops off you get paint remover on your furniture right (laughs) you're gonna have bare furniture uh it was everywhere. Oh my Yeah, Jesus. it was everywhere. This I, I, when I'm telling you fast, I've never seen anybody roll something. I thought it was a joke at the beginning, just watching him That's s- a shame. That but it was really rolling. Shame.
0: Probably destroyed thousands of dollars worth of furniture, right?
1: Yeah, I told her you're going to contact your insurance company. Either they're gonna have to go after the insurance because she's like, I don't know if the guy's got insurance. I'm like, Well, that's what you should have. That was to a the no get-
0: no from the get go.
1: Every... Contractor say, I'm going to say the state of Pennsylvania, we have to be licensed in the state, which is a hiccup license, which really doesn't do anything. It's a money maker for the state, but at least it gives an avenue if we're licensed. So if a lawsuit does happen, now we know where they're at because it's got to be a physical address and to go that. after them. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you, you as being the contractor, should provide the homeowner a proof of insurance, updated insurance, and I wouldn't get it from the contractor. I would say, hey, listen, give me your insurance agent. Have him send it to me so I can check with the insurance vendor Is that to make sure it's a policy that's still paid for. And, right. Because you could do a, a year policy, pay six months, and let the last six months elapse.
0: Exactly. But that's you, the way insurance works. Uh, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. It's a binder. They're, they're still going to show you a live binder, but the policy's not going to be in place. Right. You, the homeowner, do have to check certain things out. Just because somebody gives you a policy, it doesn't mean that it's technically there. So what I do is I have my insurance agent send it over to you. and Then you can check it anytime to make sure that I'm still insured and how far it's paid up till. So those are very important things because this guy had no insurance. So now the homeowner had to go to their insurance, and now they had to put a lawsuit in. So I don't know what happened with the lawsuit. I don't know what's going on with that. I, I told her to get back to me to keep me posted. And said so one of the best stories that i have ever heard the horror stories do you remember when we were talking about it years ago when we were broadcasting it was a little powder room where it was a little back room a little sewing room area and the bathroom above had a leak mm-hmm. and the leak created a stain in the ceiling which you need to put kills and put a couple coats on and then repaint it she said i hired a guy to come out and fix it because the plumbing was done it was fixed already and i said "Yeah." She said, oh, I paid him in advance. I'm like, oh, he took the job and uh, money ran, right? No, no, he came back. So for our listeners, this is the best one. I, I mean, I don't have that picture, but uh, what they did was the handyman came in and you figure with paint, you're going to paint a ceiling. But when you have a water stain, no matter how many paint, even if you get Benjamin ore paint, it's not covering that stain. No matter how many times you coat it, it will bleed through within minutes. So we have the product that's called kills or there's a lot of stain blockers that you can apply a couple coats with them. That stain doesn't come through the white ceiling. So, and I kept saying thicker. I I said, maybe didn't use kills or did, did they overkill it? Or I'm trying to figure, I couldn't figure out why. So she said, after about a week, my husband and uh, I were in the room and she, it was her little sewing circle room and it was she did arts and crafts in there. And the husband said, hey honey, where's the scotch tape? There was none. And then that next day, you remember the scotch tape just fell off? So what does Haiti man did.
0: This is classic. <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable. I've never even heard it.
1: I said you got to give the guy ingenuity to do that. He put layers of Scotch tape over the stain and then spackled over the Scotch tape so it didn't bleed through. And then, of course, within a week, it just fell down. So that was one of the best stories that we had in broadcasting. That was great.
0: Unbelievable. But this is the yeah, I
1: remember people. that very very well. How could you forget that? You can't. Uh, it just makes it t- to show you that the ingenuity of people that are doing contracting—they'll do whatever it takes to make sure they get your money.
0: Well, you know everything you're talking about. Everything we talk about all the time with these horror stories—it's an unregulated business. You're Probably don't have this many problems with plumbers and electricians, right?
1: Um, technically, some of the townships will require a master license for the plumber. Right. But electricians, no, not at all.
0: But the rest of the home improvement business is not regulated at all.
1: Nope, And nope. that's
0: why you have problems like this.
1: And it doesn't protect the consumer. See, a lot of people think these licenses in Pennsylvania is here to protect the consumer. How many times have we heard just in the state of Pennsylvania problems, big problems, that people are having, and there's nothing to be done about it?
0: Yeah, it's an unregulated business. That's so fine.
1: listen to the show. Your Valuable Home is gonna give you the best, optimal chance for minimize. I'm not guaranteeing, because the contract could be very unscrupulous, give you everything in writing, and still walk away. So it's just trying to minimize that. That, that, that problem we don't want to have that problem so i can just minimize it for you and do the proper steps so you can and get save it people good a lot of aggravation that's yeah. what
0: we're trying to do all right interesting horror story kev got to take a quick break we'll be right back hey kev we've talked many times about the importance of curb appeal and the value quality products add to exterior home improvements pro fiberglass entry doors and vinyl replacement windows add that value and for huge impact curb appeal and value there's pro vinyl and polypropylene siding
1: Yep, the super polymer formulation of Provia siding reflects heat and protects against UV rays and solar heat buildup for lasting color and value. Provia siding comes in traditional, insulated, and decorative profiles, all with the look and texture of real wood. People often stop and ask me about my Provia Cedar siding. I've actually gotten siding jobs that way. Okay, so how about colors and styles? My customers love the extensive palette of popular colors, including dark and bold hues. New colors for 2023 include mist gray, harvest red, and pine. And Provia offers a wide variety of styles from clapboard to dutch lap, board and batten, and new Harbor Mill shingle and shake siding. Harbor Mill is reminiscent of traditional rough-sawn shingle and staggered hand-split cedar shake. Both profiles are modeled after genuine cedar pieces Using highly accurate laser scanning to ensure all the detail and texture of real cedar wood grain. Harbor Mill Siding was designed with the installer in mind, incorporating built in features that aid in a more efficient, hassle free installation. The lightweight, rigid panels are easier to handle and include locks, guides, and marks for the installer. That makes for quicker installation and beautiful curb appeal.
0: Yep, and you can see it all and how the colors and styles work with Provia entry doors and vinyl replacement windows at Provia's fabulous website, Provia.com backslash YVH. Check out Provia's design center on the website and experiment with their exterior home visualizer to see how all the different styles, colors of Provia doors, windows, siding, stone, and roofing work together. Once again, Provia delivers on its mission to serve by caring for details in ways others won't Visualize the possibilities at Provia.com backslash
1: YVH. Okay, Ryan, it is time for the featured segment, and I believe we do have a positive one, something that's going to be really good news for our listeners.
0: We have a very special featured interview today about a very special faith-based organization, Eight Days of Hope. That's Eight Days of Hope. And with us to inform our listeners about the wonderful work of Eight Days of Hope is Steve Tybor III, your organization's president and founder. Steve, welcome to Your Valuable Home. I understand from Provia that you were their VP of business unit manager for the siding business out of Boonville, Mississippi. That's for a number of years, you know, six years, right?
2: Yeah, I actually been in the industry over 30, but they uh, purchased a company back in 2008 and had the privilege of working with some amazing people at Provia. You know, they've been alongside Eight Days of Hope pretty much since day one. Actually, they're one of our national partners. They and about 18 other businesses and churches uh, to kind of cover our fixed costs to allow us to go help as many people as possible. So it was a fun journey. They're an amazing company. So thankful for them. They actually provide a lot of the materials for uh, some of our projects always at no cost. So they've been amazing to work with.
0: Well, I would say ditto to everything you said because they're our national partner. They've been a sponsor. They just started their third year of sponsorship. We love them. We love their products. Kevin works with their products all the time. A lot of their products, I love yeah. them,
2: yeah. We're building the largest campus for children rescue from trafficking in Ohio, and they were kind enough to provide materials for 11 different buildings. And as you know, they make really good stuff. I always tell my wife, at our age, we, we don't buy good or better, we buy the best. But Provia's windows and doors and stone is all on this campus and it looks great. But thank you so much for having me today.
0: It's great to have you. Let's begin at the beginning. I guess you were with Provia when you got into this. You You did your first project with your dad, I think, right?
2: You know, in 2005, I was living in Tupelo, Mississippi, and actually working for a company that was bought three years later from Provia. But while I was down there, a hurricane came called Katrina. You probably remember oh, yeah. it. Yep. Oh, yeah. It really blew up our coast of Mississippi. Well, my dad, who was 72 at the time, was living in Buffalo. He's a very hands-on, old-school, concrete, contractor-type gentleman. And he called me, said, hey, Steve, you live there, I don't. What if I fly down, and once we you find a couple buddies? I'll find a couple buddies, and let's go help out a widow let's go find a single mom let's help them rebuild their house for free and i'm like i'm in let's do it so that was our plan to take six people it is by far our smallest outreach ever but that first trip we took 684 people and we fed them and lodged them and in eight days we rebuilt 84 homes for free and so again our smallest outreach ever but boy oh boy was that a life changer for me and my family to experience just all the people in the world that want to help others and we were just a conduit. And so 8 Days Hope started five. We became a nonprofit in early '06, And here we are 18 years later.
0: I'll tell you, the work you do is amazing. Rebuilding those homes down there led to a calling. And the mission that has driven all 8 Days of Hope work since 2005. And it continues to this day. What is that mission? Can you verbalize that for us?
2: Yeah, you know, our mission is simple. We're a faith-based organization, and we have a lot of different denominations represented in our leadership team, mainly volunteer leadership team. But we keep it simple. We love and serve those in need. We love and serve the brokenhearted. And it's simple. We rebuild homes in eight days. After disasters, we've now rebuilt 9,500 homes across the country. We build safe places for women and children rescued from sex trafficking. We've done 13 of those projects right now. We're doing that seven and a half Million dollar campus for free in Ohio that children, girls have been rescued from trafficking, will get the emotional, physical, and spiritual help they need. We've worked with Tim Tebow, Frank Reich, who coaches the Panthers, mm-hmm. and eleven other organizations to provide a safe place for women and children. We've been doing that for four years, and then we just launched another arm just recently. Whenever there's a disaster, an area of the country loses power. So, like Hurricane Ida hit the New Orleans area, and the place Louisiana, which is twenty minutes away, did not have power for twenty-seven days, and we start. Producing food and handing out food. And we just saw the blessing that it was for the community. So we just launched a mass feeding arm that we just deployed to Perry, Florida after Hurricane Idalia. This feeding equipment valued over a million dollars, all paid for, can make up to eight thousand meals every two hours. And so wow. our goal if it's a hot sandwich or a piece of meat, a turkey, right, and potatoes, or we're doing chainsaw work on your house because you had a tree fall on it, or if we're building a home for you for free because you didn't live in a flood zone like Hurricane Harvey and your house flooded. And so we've led 60,000 volunteers across the country, forearms of the ministry. And the crazy thing is the majority of our people are volunteers. And so God's blessed us with $7 million of equipment. We go whenever the door opens. We're usually there the next day. And it's been a wild, wild journey the last 18 years.
0: So all your donors combined, they are funding airfare, whatever, to get there and all the transportation to get all your equipment to wherever it has to be too,
2: right? Yeah, so so how it works is pretty simple. We provide skilled volunteers and less skilled volunteers and we rebuild homes for free. Our volunteers, we don't charge them to go with us. We provide a free place for them to sleep. We feed them every day. But all they have to do is get to the airport. We pick them at the airport. They do their own transportation, but we provide everything else, the materials, we pull the permits, we work with the local inspectors, we provide a place for people to sleep, to eat, to have a good time, give them a couple good-looking t-shirts, and again, every site we're at, and we've had as many as 808 homes are being rebuilt at one time. And think about this. If you're in construction, if you're remodeling your kitchen and you tear out your cabinets, there's always some challenges that are going to happen that throws you a curveball. Well, what if you put in 239 sets of kitchen cabinets in eight days in Houston after Harvey with volunteers but that's what we did and we're just so thankful that we get a chance to love and serve the broken-hearted and try to be a glimpse of hope to those feeling hopeless What is the significance of the number eight? You know, we're a faith-based organization, and a lot of people that volunteer with us have never been to church, and that's cool, too. We just want to be a conduit. But the number eight, our rebuilding trips are eight days long, and the number eight in the Bible means new beginnings. And so our first trip was eight days, and all of our rebuilding trips are eight days. Our rapid response trips, which is right after disaster, can be longer. But the significance of eight is bringing somebody some hope and a new beginning after a really, really tough situation.
0: Yeah. And if you need hope, it's after a disaster like that, you know, Mm. like happened in Maui. And we're going to talk about that in Fort Myers, Florida, in the South during Katrina. You need a lot of hope. You need people like you and the people who work with you to bring that hope to them. You do this all with volunteers. How many volunteers have you had in (laughs) your your short history now?
2: We have now led almost 60,000 volunteers, and about half are skilled. They're contractors, handymen, handywomen who are gifted with their hands. Maybe they're a banker or maybe they're a salesman, but they love to do flooring or set toilets or do carpentry work on the side. Check this out, guys. You'll find this amazing. We went to Houston after Harvey. When we went down there, we knew that a lot of people would want to come. But we did a baseball doubleheader. We did two eight-day trips back-to-back. And the Governor Abbott just wanted us there in a big way. But long story short, in 16 days, we brought in 4,692 volunteers. Wow. Just to feed the volunteers was $161,000. We fed them, we lodged them, we had a blast and we helped 1,108 families rebuild their homes. Now we were on Fox News and USA Today and the Weather Channel and you know the media can't believe that volunteers could come together and do something en mass. But I and others, we have 211 leaders, I'm one of 211 even though I'm the president and founder. We have a lot of people that work in the trade and so they lead companies and they know logistically how to set up a warehouse. And so what we literally will do is we actually set up a warehouse before the outreach and we ship everything in by the truckload prior to remove an obstacle to standing in line at a big box store at a distributor or showing up and because of COVID and the product issues of supply chain of saying, oh, we're out of OSB board. So our job as leaders is to remove every obstacle. So the volunteers, they might leave exhausted, but their hearts can be full. They didn't encounter obstacle after obstacle. So So that was our biggest trip in Houston. We did over 15 million hours of work. Susan Dell loves Eight Days of Hope. She's just amazed at all the things that get done. And again, we've now responded to over 90 disasters the last 18 years. Specifically,
0: Fort Myers had to be a mess, right?
2: Yeah, that was Hurricane Ian. Remember, it moved like the last day, and it grew very quickly over 72 hours. We thought we were going to go more toward Tampa Bay, and then it took a right-hand turn, and you're right. Now, I've been to Fort Myers prior for a vacation in a sales meeting, and when we showed up there literally 36 hours after the, the hurricane came through, I mean, I've seen some bad things. I've seen Katrina, and I've seen Isaac and Ida, but i tell you what, right there on the beach, the first Quarter mile in, it looked like someone dropped a bomb. It was just flattened, wasn't it? Just flattened. Well, it was everything from looking and seeing 10 boats piled up on top of each other, like, you know, someone with huge hands just kind of threw them all together in a corner. It was heartbreaking. You know, you couldn't get down the roads. There was no running water, electricity. It It was so heartbreaking that, again, the storm hit a populated area like that that has a lot of great memories for families. But, you know, we deployed in a minute's notice. We were down there for five weeks, not typical eight days or two weeks or three weeks, and probably could have stayed longer. But our volunteer leaders, they, you know, needed a break, but we brought in millions of dollars of equipment. We have shower trailers, feeding trailers, we have laundry trailers. People don't remember, when you have a flood like Hurricane Harvey in Houston or Hurricane Adalia down in Florida, now all of a sudden, everything's gone. That means all the laundry mats are gone. How do you wash your clothes? How do the emergency workers right. that are trying to get power on? And so what we did is we said, hey, let's not complicate things. Let's love those people that are right here are being first responders. And so we actually have laundry trailers that come in and have 10 commercial washers and dryers. But the dignity of getting a hot meal and a clean you know, set of clothes so you can start the long journey helps soften some of the hurt. But boy, it was crazy. And we were glad that we were there. We hated that We had to be there for that reason. And then we came back this year and did a major rebuilding trip. And so we went to the Harlem Heights area, which is an area that was built originally for a lot of the uh, migrant workers, very small, close-knit community. And we built 102 homes in eight days on that trip. So we have a big place in our heart for Fort myers Florida.
0: There must be trailers or whatever for people to sleep.
2: You know, we really use churches and schools and uh-huh. campgrounds. Oh, okay. Now, we have a lot of loyal volunteers. We have some missionaries who they travel the country with us. They've sold their homes. They bought an RV and they literally will show up with us the next day. And they just believe this is their calling. Some of them are ex-contractors or even white collar workers, but they know that they can make a difference. You know, when you have hundreds of people that are willing to go on a minute's notice and then you have thousands that come the week after, you really get a lot done. I think the volunteers have enjoyed 80 so we're imperfect i get it because i'm a part of it but we have learned so much on how to lead thousands of volunteers at one time and we're family friendly you know i'm a man of faith and i tell people a lot the greatest sermon i ever heard is the one i saw and i want my kids to see the same sermon you know we live in a divided country divided times when people come together and set aside our differences and there are differences But we set them aside to love and serve the brokenhearted, people don't realize amazing things happen, not only to the families you're serving, but to you as you serve. And like I said earlier, you're going to leave exhausted if you serve with us, I promise you. But your heart's going to be full for months remembering all the people you met and all the people you blessed. So yeah, that's been so cool watching that develop.
0: Well, talk about too, and this had to be a horrible situation. Talk about Lahaina.
2: You know, I tell you, we've been out from coast to coast. We've been doing this for a long time. And probably Katrina is the one that just I keep running back to. But when you deal with a fire, there just brings a totally different element to the disaster. And then when you have a community. So people got to remember this. If your house burns down, it's tragic. It's heartbreaking. It's so humbling. But you go down the street. You go rent an apartment, you talk to your insurance company and you come up with a plan and you go to school and you go back to work. But what if the whole community is gone? What if your church is gone, your school has gone, your playground, the place that you kissed your wife for the first time or proposed or your grandmother's house or all these great memories? So it is way more than just buildings. And I think sometimes when it doesn't affect you and it doesn't affect me, we forget that. So it's the mental challenges, the mental anguish that people go through when they look around and they're like, well, what is the future? hold. So to answer your question, we went to Maui very quickly. Now, we decided to do something different. Instead of spending $100,000 and taking equipment over there and waiting weeks for your equipment to show up, we found four different churches, different denominations, and we found a nonprofit providing food and shelter and lodging and temporary lodging and diapers and toiletry items. And we said, you know what? We can recreate the wheel, but you're here. You've got a building here. So we brought resources and wisdom, and we offered to bring our cooks in to make food to give them a break and so we were there for quite a bit just serving but this is a marathon guys this is unlike anything I've ever seen because one of the challenges right now Hawaii is trying to figure out how do we take the first step and what does that look like in Hawaii people understand the beauty of the land and the Hawaiian people are very sensitive about their land their environment and so chance of that community being rebuilt in the near future is very very small I do think a master plan will be developed over the next six to 12 months by the state working with schema working with faith-based organizations and others so i think we'll have a bigger part in this recovery down the road we are going back there in two weeks uh, right around the christmas season oh, wow. bringing more okay. resources in to help people as well so we'll do our best but it's definitely a unique situation did your rapid
0: response unit come into play in maui
2: it did, but it was different. So normally we bring the feeding equipment. Normally we bring the shower trailer and the laundry trailer, but when it takes six, eight weeks to get equipment over there and you can use those funds to, you know, to purchase supplies and work through the local church, you know, being faith-based, we always work through local churches because we're going to leave. And so it was different. It, it wasn't bringing thousands of people, it was bringing a, a team of volunteers and a couple staff members with the resources so they can very quickly work with the churches to give people what they needed. So I Again, it's a unique culture, and we were glad and happy that we could be a part of the start of the recovery. Again, we'll be going back in two weeks with more resources. I think down the road, I would guess at the end of next year, the beginning of 2025, we're hoping and praying we could be a part of the rebuilding process. I don't think the fire spread too far out of the did it? It did not. But, you know, it's again, like right now, one of the things that ministries like AT Soap do, we we could do something called sifting, where you go to the people that own the home, own the property and offer to sift their property. And all you're doing is you're actually going through all their ashes to try to find a half burnt picture or maybe a a, a piece of jewelry or something that they can hold on to. Because think about it, everything is gone. Unfortunately, the state is not ready to allow that to happen because of some environmental Concerns. So, you know, it's been one thing after another. Our prayers are for the people in Hawaii that they can come up with a plan and we can be a part of it. Uh, we don't want to be the focus of it, but we would sure love to help them take another step forward. But it is going to be a long journey. There's no doubt.
0: Your headquarters is in Tupelo, Mississippi. Don't you also have a couple satellite offices around the country?
2: We do. We have a national headquarters and a training facility. So all of our volunteer leaders, if you're listening to today and you're like, man, I want to get involved, go to our website, 8 or email us. But we'll train you on how to operate heavy equipment. You know, we have bobcats and bucket trucks and laundry trailers and shower trailers. You know, today, as you and I record, I'm in New York. We're training 80 people to be a part of our mass feeding arm that we just launched a couple months ago. Go. So our national headquarters is in Tupelo, Mississippi. We had a donor give us a very large building in Buffalo, New York, 100,000 square feet, and a donor support us in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. So we are in three different parts of the country with equipment in three different parts of the country, and we have been at three different parts of the country serving people in need at the same time. So logistically, that's a lot when you've got a feeding trailer in Florida, while you've got a rapid response trailer and a team up in Iowa, while you're building a safe house for children rescued from trafficking in Ohio. But that's where we. We really lean on our 60,000 volunteers and our 211 volunteer leaders.
0: You expanded the reach of Eight Days of Hope from natural disasters to a human disaster, and that's human trafficking. Please fill our listeners in on the Safe House Ministry and Safe Harbor, Ohio.
2: I get passionate when we talk about this topic. I have three girls, and I learned about trafficking thinking it was more overseas when we adopted two girls from Taiwan nine years ago. And then when I started doing some discovery in America, and I saw the growth of pornography with smartphones in the hands of a 14 and 15-year-old boy and with very little filters, it didn't take long for me to realize the fact is this. Sex trafficking is the fastest-growing crime in the world. The average age of a child, and this is disgusting, and it makes my stomach sick whenever. it's say it, but the average age of a child trafficked in America is 13 years. It's amazing. 81% of people trafficked in America are America's citizens. It seems like the public doesn't know the facts. You know, it's happening in Erie, Pennsylvania, Wichita, Kansas, Tallahassee, Florida. Yes, it's happening in New Orleans and New York and Las Vegas as well. In every community across America, people are being trafficked. And so when someone gets rescued and they go through a detox and most traffickers get their people, they're trafficking on drugs very quickly. But as soon as they're able to go through a detox and start the process of healing, they need a place to go to get the emotional, physical, and spiritual help they need. And so we have started building, we're about halfway through. It's a campus on 30 acres of beautiful land in Millersburg, Ohio, Amish country in Ohio. Beautiful mm-hmm. rolling hills. And there's 11 buildings. There's six cottages. Each child gets their own bedroom and own bathroom. They have a house mom that lives in the cottage with them. They cook together. They live life together. There's a school on campus a chapel, an equine facility. Animals play a big part in therapy for those who've gone through trauma. And there is an administration building. There's a building that the girls can work out, do dance lessons, do some other things, art lessons as well. So they're going to be able to get all this help. There's a place for medical, a doctor, OBGYN will come on campus and they'll be able to take care of every need these girls have for free.
0: How do you get the girls that benefit from this? Do you have links into the authorities, the FBI, whatever? They they tip you off about, you know, we found five girls and can you take them in?
2: Yeah, it really happens in multiple ways. But bottom line right now, most states don't have a place when an adult woman gets rescued from trafficking and wants to turn her life around and be freed and try to get her identity back. And that there's no place for them to go. So we have now helped 13 ministries build a building or a campus for women and children rescued from trafficking. And so the referrals come from law enforcement, comes from judges. It comes from foster home administrators who foster kid runs away and, you know, they've been passed from Family family, to family. And unfortunately, they trust the wrong person, they get traffic, and some are runaways and some are groomed online using fake identities. So it really happens a lot of different ways. And so at this point, our goal is to build as many facilities as needed in America. You know, there's 13,000 animal shelters, and that's not a bad thing in America. But there's only 600 bedrooms that a woman or child can shut the door and know that somebody's not going to come in looking for something in return. And a lot of those that exist right now are just temporary temporary housing. These facilities, these girls will be able to stay there for multiple years, go to school on campus, get the medical care and start the clean process while these ministries also pour into the families. And so this is a seven and a half million dollar project. We're about halfway done. It will open up in the spring of 2024. And actually you mentioned Provia earlier in the show. This campus is about 30 miles from Provia. We're so thankful for them and our other 18 national partners because they allow us to really do what we do. We're so thankful.
0: Yeah, I would imagine they're contributing a lot of products for the exterior of all the buildings you're putting up there, right?
2: Well, I'll tell you what—we've had some volunteer contractors come and serve with us that maybe don't know much about Provia, and they're like, "Steve, where did you get these doors?" And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, a <laughs> company that True. i be a part of." Yeah, you know. But even the windows—you know—they donated the windows to help us, and they're not going to tell anyone because that's not who they are. But I sing their praises wherever I go. You know, I have their windows in my own house. They're all about caring for details in ways that others decide not to, and that's what we try to do as a ministry because we love and serve those in need and. So so if it's, again, building safe places for women and children rescued from trafficking, or if it's building a brand new home for somebody in Houston who didn't have flood insurance, but they didn't live in a flood zone, lost everything to Harvey, to someone needing a sandwich because there's no power, everything in the refrigerator spoiled and they have nothing to eat. You know, our goal is to keep it simple, just love people and serve people.
0: Well, you certainly picked a nice place. It's a safe place, that spot of Ohio, a nice, quiet place for somebody to start a new life.
2: You know, it really is. Think about it. If you've been trafficked... Chances are you don't believe that there is a God because if there is, Why would he allow this to happen? And so as they start to be loved on by the staff, you start to be served by staff and they have their own bedroom and bathroom. They start the healing process. They start understanding that maybe they got that part wrong. Maybe there is somebody that's a higher power and it's God and they're looking for some hope. They're looking for joy. They're looking for kindness. They're looking to turn their life around and they're serious about it. They're going to get every opportunity to do that regardless of the safe harbor in Ohio or the Tim Tebow Foundation. Foundation in Chattanooga, Tennessee, or at Frank and Linda Wright's facility in the Indiana, or the other 10 that we've worked on. So our goal is to continue to build places until the needs are met, and that looks like we'll be quite busy the next two, three, four years.
0: Well, Steve, thank God for you. Thank God for the work you do, your volunteers and staffers, and for the generous support of your donors. In the beginning of this holiday season, throughout the holiday season, no matter what holiday you celebrate, what can you say to our listeners to turn some of our listeners into donors?
2: First of all, you know, we always ask people to pray. I believe there's power in prayer and pray for the Ministry of Eight Days of Hope. Pray for our partners. Pray for the volunteers. I mean, today, as you and I speak, we're feeding people in New York. We're building a campus in Ohio for children rescued from trafficking. We're looking to do a rebuilding trip in Amory, Mississippi, down south with all the tornadoes that happened six months ago. Just continue to pray. Maybe volunteer. You don't have to be a skilled professional. The funny thing, you know, I'm the founder, right? So people sometimes get excited when they meet the person they, you know, the founder but, but don't think that highly of me, I promise. Because I'm the guy, I'm not handy. You're not going to give me a saw. You're not going to give me a drill. I'm going to hurt myself or hurt you. Um, <laughs> but, but, but when we all were created, we were created uniquely and we're all gifted differently. Here's how I'd like to close. I'm going to ask about eight questions. And if you say yes to any of these eight things, there's a place for you to volunteer Eight Days it of Hope. Are you good with your hands? Can you make a sandwich? Do you drive a car? Do you know anything about computers and administration? Are you good at social media? Do you know how to play an instrument? can you help out with admin work? Do you know how to do laundry? So all those things I just mentioned is something that we do every single day wherever we go. And so if you want to volunteer, go to our website, 8 sign up for our email alerts. And whenever the door opens up for us to go search somebody, we'll invite you. We're not going to blow up your email, but you know, there's 10, 15 times a year that a door opens up and we're needed in Maui or in Ohio or because of a hurricane. If you can make it, come join us. It's free. We provide food and lodging. And lastly is donate. You know, we're ECFA accredited we have been around for 18 years. A lot of the Cheery Watch organizations give us their highest marks. Our partners cover our fixed costs. So when you say, Hey, I'm gonna send twenty five dollars to Hawaii, all twenty-five dollars is going to Hawaii. If you say, Hey, I wanna help out with that safe house, you know, I saw the movie Sound of Freedom and I want to do something about it, and you send hundred dollars, all hundred dollars will be spent on Safe Harbor in Ohio. You can donate online at our website, 8dayshope.com. You can mail a check, that address is on the website. We also use Venmo and PayPal. But pray volunteer donate. There's something for everybody at Eight
0: Days of Hope. Steve, thank you very much for sharing your story, the story of the organization with us. Steve Tybor, Eight Days of Hope. And if you want to do something that's going to make a difference this holiday season, donate
2: or volunteer. Again, join us at Eight Days of Hope. Love to see you there. Remember the name Provia,
1: your single source for professional class, entry doors, storm doors, patio doors, vinyl and wood-clad vinyl windows, vinyl siding, manufactured stone and metal roofing. Products made with latest technology and honest old world craftsmanship. The Provia way.